everybody i am sean graham scott alongside as always hello scott sean literally alongside we are recording in the same room for the first time since uh the briar in 2020 yeah over three years yeah how does it feel 37 months 37 months good math sean thanks look at you right off the top yeah wow yeah it's weird definitely weird uh we don't know how it sounds like uh we'll see see but uh, you're here for dinner tonight, and we have about uh, 23 minutes until yep. dinner's ready. So we thought, hey, let's hop on, talk about some of the uh, rule changes announced by Curling King. Yeah, so a lot going on both in the world of curling and for us. Uh, my apologies. We did really want to get a Mixed Doubles Worlds preview out last week. But unfortunately, real life got in the way. You were out of town. I was busy doing other stuff. Yeah. There's uh, things going on in Ottawa that you may have read about uh, that we won't discuss here that uh, potentially are having an effect on on certain things. So it's been busier than anticipated, so yeah. therefore couldn't get uh, a preview out. My apologies for that. A quick update on the mixed doubles world, Scott. Yes. Jennifer Jones and Brent Lang are something in one. They've lost one game. The one game they lost, that is the team now that they uh, has all they've also lost. And it's a three team, it's it's two pools, ten teams, round robin. Jones and Lang need that team to lose. They need to win out their last three games, and they will get the bye into the semifinals. If everybody holds serve through this point, Jennifer Jones and Brent Lang will be in the playoffs, but will have to play in the semi-quarterfinal match. Yes. Because they're not quarterfinals, because there's only two of them. So that's the situation right there. I believe it's Estonia that they are tied with, but uh, Scott, you'll correct me real quick on that uh so that's kind of our update for the mixed doubles worlds but what is by a lot of margins more important is the senior world championship howard rahala on the men's side he is four and one in his pool three men's pools at the world seniors he's four and one hasn't qualified yet but in very good shape for him but even more important than that the great Sherry Anderson continues to roll. Her team is 5-0. and oh. They have qualified for the playoffs. They beat Ling in Hong Kong this morning for us here in North America. Mm-hmm. So they are through to the playoffs. Hopefully, another world championship for Sherry Anderson. Because this is her last time going, at least for a year. She didn't get out of Saskatchewan this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, hopefully another one. For her. So that's kind of the situation on the world stage. Scott, do you able to pull up here what's going on at the mixed doubles? So the yeah, Jones and Lang five and one, Estonia also five and one with Jennifer Dodds and Bruce Mowat uh, in third at four and two there. Uh and then Australia. So yes, uh there are what what did you say? Ten teams. Ten teams in each pool, yeah. So there's nine games to play, so three games remaining. Uh still a chance for all the teams with three losses, Constantini and uh, Armon are yeah. three and three right now. It's a good field. It's a really good field. Yeah. On the, on the B side, Japan six and O leading 
uh, Norway five and one and the US five and one. Pretty good, pretty good uh, field. Yeah, so again, our, our apologies for not getting a full preview out. We'll do a bit of a recap next week once we have results from both the World Mixed Doubles and the World Seniors happening over there in Korea. That's right. And uh, so time difference isn't great for watching live for us, but hey, everyone's having a good time from all accounts. Yeah, exactly. Uh, time difference not great. Uh, busy, as you said, with uh, other things and life and... Uh... Yeah, but we'll, uh, we're following along as best we can. Yes, yeah, so uh, let's move on to what has been the biggest getter of attention in Canadian curling over the last little bit. That is the revised rules for Olympic qualification that came forth from Curling Canada about 10 days ago or so now. This also impacts Scotty's and Briar qualification so let's run through it real quick so mm -hmm. I, I assume most people have heard by now what's going on but just make sure we're all on the same page here the olympic qualification process is a little different the trials is moving up a week from what it was not much a lot of extra time eh? <laughs> it's moving up a week there will be eight teams at the roar of the rings seven of them will be predetermined from a mix of Briar Scotty's champions from the previous two years, those individual teams do have to finish top six at the World Championship in order to get that berth into the trials. That is a holdover from past years. Subsequently, the other five pre-qualified teams will come out of CTRS points from individual seasons, one from each, and then a cumulative two-season one. So those are your other five spots to the champions and then the eighth spot will be from the pre-trials and the qualification of that has not been determined as yet but you would assume it's basically going to be ctrs points uh, some mathematical equation of that mm -hmm. for the briar and the scotties something that we have talked about before scott the wildcard teams are going to be determined before the Briar and the Scotties. Yes. So not, or before the provincial playdowns, excuse me. So not next year for all of them. They're going to stay with three teams. Next year, two of them are going to be determined based on the end of season CTRS points for this year. Yeah. The third will be determined following provincial playdowns. But subsequent years, all three will be determined based off of that season CTRS points. So going into the summer, you will know four teams at both the Briar and the Scotties, the defending champion, as well as your three wildcard teams. The three wildcard teams will not participate in provincial playdowns because this is probably the biggest change. Those three teams are not subjected to any residency rules. That's right. You do not have to have three members, either with birthright or living in a member association. You can come from wherever. So now there are three spots available, two teams for both national championship and Olympic qualifying without needing residency rules. Those I think are the main bullet points from this, but did I miss anything in that? I don't think so. I think uh, you mentioned it would be more single season CTRS points uh, that would qualify for the Briar and the Scotties. But but for the Olympics uh, for a couple of the spots, what I'm saying it's it's yeah. two, two year CTRS standings it's not just single year oh there's not one for the end of like 2023 24 there'll be the there'll be one for the end of 23 24 and then the rest 
I'll say combined two year okay. CTRS standings. And then one team for 24 25, that will be uh, the seventh spot awarded. Yeah. And then uh, the pre trials, which I think you mentioned. Yeah. Um, that was just a lot of stuff that, that you said. It's a lot going on. It's a lot of stuff. Uh, so I, this is to me the compromise, right? This is Curling Canada's compromise of. Hey, you really want to form super teams, go for it, go nuts. This is your path to qualifying for uh, for the, the national championships and the world championships subsequently and the Olympics. If you want to form a super team, go for it. So you will we'll be able to get into uh, these all these events theoretically, right? Uh, so you, you form a team with one person from each province and you go spieling together all uh, fall and then in the hopes that in the next season your team will qualify because you put a team together for let's say 23 24 Mm -hmm. then you won't be able to qualify for that year's briar if you don't meet the residency requirements correct yeah so it's really a two-year game if you are going to do that or you just be Brad Gushu and already be the champion, and then it's not really an issue for you. Yeah. So they're covered uh, at this point. Anyway, moving forward, not that I think this is a rule for Brad Gushu. No. What it does remind me of, though, Scott, is a little bit with the pregnancy thing, where that was a dumb rule, obviously, but this is something specific for those top teams. This is not something it is. that... The Suzanne Burts of the world are necessarily going to be able to capitalize on. This is for the highest level. And it kind of models a little bit what we see elsewhere, where you take the best individual players and you just stick them together. That's what a lot of countries are doing. Now, Canada has the opportunity to do this if they want to, or the players themselves have the opportunity to do this independent of where they live across the country. One difference I would suggest is. As Bryant Reeves told us, it's a pretty big country. And at some point, you kind of want to be around the people you're playing with. This is the one thing that I think residency rules might have got right, is that I think it's important to practice with the people you're playing with, to be around them a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you're scattered all over the country and you're only showing up and playing at events, I do wonder how that manifests. But let's see. Let's let's have somebody try it. Let's yeah, see what happens. That's it. Uh, you know, it, you can't come to a conclusion about something until you've experimented. Mm-hmm. And uh, this will be the big test, right? And we'll see if the the teams that I'm I'm going to say that these teams, curling Canada in my opinion, is envisioning that these teams will come out of their high-performance centers, be they here in Ottawa or in Edmonton. Sure. That said, like if you're doing that and you're having people live at the high-performance centers, maybe they could just all live there and be <laughs> yeah. part they of They could have the provincial representation. But anyway, um, what, it, what it does is also gives a spot like guaranteed in the national championships such that curling Canada can advertise who's going to be there. Yeah. One of the big selling points about getting a team Canada into the men's event was that, Hey, there's a team, a bankable team that we know we can advertise around for next year. Mm-hmm. Sponsors like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think fans I like think it the too. fans like knowing it. Cause if you look at the schedule when it comes out for pretty much every event, team Canada's games are highlighted and the host province games are highlighted. Mm-hmm. So, and obviously that schedule comes out or draw schedule comes out 
usually before most of the teams are known or all yeah. the teams are known. Yeah. At least this used to be the case. And so now you can say, all right, here are three main or four main teams. Mm -hmm. And you can set it up so that you have at least one of those teams going each draw sure. if you want to. And so you can have kind of your feature teams and set it up so the draw schedule can be balanced. And you can you just have more time to do that mm -hmm. rather than waiting until the provincial playdowns are done. Right. And then... The, the way it's been done with the ranking the pools based on uh, current year points, yeah. you could you can come up with a different way to do it where the top three that pre-qualifier are, are maybe given the top three seeds along with Team Canada. Yeah, so those are your top four. Top they're four. they're in both separate pools, and you rank it that way. And yeah. then come come the rankings afterwards. So yeah, yeah so it, this is like uh, splitting like splitting the baby a bit is a, a maybe a bad metaphor, but. <laughs> Um, that's the way I see it. I also see this as, uh, Hey, David Murdoch's coming. He's going to make some super teams, quote unquote, super teams, uh, that will train together and go spieling. This is a way to get those teams in yeah, to the big events. What I think would be interesting is if somebody says somebody who maybe has a bunch of FU money uh, <laughs> and wants to throw it at some players yeah. to train independently of curling Canada and uh, have them form their own super team separate from the big structure. Right. We haven't seen it happen anywhere else, but there hasn't been as many curlers uh, in other places. But the structure is automatic. If you win, you're in the structure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, so someone would have to decline that. Decline I their invite into the... Or I guess there's nothing stopping. I mean, the, the Brad Gushu has other sponsors, so I guess you could yeah. have another big sponsor. If, But yeah, it would be more the seed money to get somebody into the structure mm -hmm. if you wanted to go about it that way. I just think it would be funny to have some other team be like, just beat out one of these super right. pre-selected pre teams you know to yeah. be like uh actually no we're gonna do our own thing and, right but we don't know i mean we do, we still don't know if david murdoch is going to pick teams this is an avenue through which teams could still self-select there has yes. been no indication that that is going to be forthcoming and david murdoch was clearly involved in this in some capacity he's quoted yes. in it with a bit of a nonsense quote which we will talk about it's one of the only things that i kind of don't like about this because overall i i really do like this structure it makes the playdowns more interesting it makes teams earn their subsequent spots if if that makes any sense like carson sturmay seems like a nice guy mm -hmm. against carson sturmay but Part of me thinks, don't you want to make your debut after winning the province, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Kevin Cooey doesn't need to win Alberta again. He's yeah. fine. Yeah. Botcher doesn't need to win Alberta. Whatever. Like, they can take the spot. And the Purple Heart this way maybe retains some value mm -hmm. for guys who you win that, you make your debut at the Briar. The provincial associations, I would assume, like this, sure, they're going to lose a couple of teams from their playdowns. Mm -hmm. But the playdowns retain a level of integrity that maybe in Alberta last year was lost a little bit uh, in that final. Yeah, it was a fun game, but but who cares? Cause both of them are making it. Yeah. So this maybe ratchets up the pressure a little bit yeah. for those provincial playdowns. So I really like that. The Olympic stuff. I never had an issue with any of it. Mm -hmm. uh, it I don't know when you put the, the trials in a different spot. I, I don't think you want them earlier in the season, too much earlier in the season. You yeah. want everybody to have their legs. Yeah. And if you go the previous year, 
what is it? The Scotties and the Briar Champion? Because, but we don't want that. No, like no one would go with that. I don't want it in May. No. So I, I, I think the timing of it is fine, Sean. Yeah. The you're right. They what what was the worry was oh there's not enough turnaround to get all the Olympic stuff done, right? Like you need to, I don't know, do a bunch of tests and get visas and travel arrangements and uh, housing and food and like all sorts of weird stuff. And that's the sort of stuff that should not be on the players. That should be the infrastructure of Curling Canada that does all that. The players should be told, go practice, go do whatever you need to do. Here's the supports that are available to you. But if people need tickets, traveler, like family needs travel arrangement, no, that's on us. We don't, or the COC or yeah. anyone else. It should not be on the players themselves. No, but then, but it does give a little extra time for the organization then to, to yeah. take care of that stuff. For sure. Right? Cause it's still a time crunch. Yeah. Uh, that said, they moved it a week earlier, whatever. Is that a week earlier from what it used to be? A that's, week earlier from last time. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So maybe that'll have some impact. Who knows? Um, I had something to say and I forgot it because we're talking to each other in person. It's very strange. Yeah. All right. Well, let me talk about this one okay. thing that David Murdoch said in the release here. Uh, yeah. The quote is that he he he's supportive of this because oh, you have the actual quote quote here where he says having team having teams chasing points through playing in multiple events for the first half of the season to improve their chances for a wildcard berth really detracts from the time they could be spending training on the ice or in the gym, as well as resting and recovering from events and travel. Okay. I don't necessarily disagree with that. Goes on to say, this will give teams with high performance ambitions a much better opportunity to better plan their training and playing schedule around peaking for the national and international competitions. Here's the thing, though. You still do have to chase points a little bit, but for the next Next season, right? Yeah. So if you're a team that's going without any sort of residency affiliation, yeah, you do kind of have to be concerned about points throughout the course of the season. You do, yeah. Now you could say, well, you could just chase later in the season, but you can't because there's nothing after Scotty's Briar. So Mm -hmm. if he's saying that those teams can train to peak at that time of year and be less fatigued. Okay. But in doing so, are they not perhaps throwing away their spot the next year if they don't win? So if you, if you're doing that to go to the skies, go to the briar, you've planned yourself. It is unlikely that you're going to be top three of CTRS the next season. If you are reducing your schedule in the way that he is indicating here. I think you're right. That, I mean, everybody's going to play in the slams. Yeah. Right. Like that's kind of a given. And then there's, it's like cherry picking the big events in between. Right. Yeah. So I wonder. Rather than just like go all of them. And I think that what he was talking about was Carson Sturmey's team. They just played every week. Played every week. Yeah. To get in, which is fair under the rules. Right. Yeah. Uh, But at the same time, then they don't get any more points the rest of the year and the quote-unquote big dog teams are able to still get points from being invited to those slams and yeah that's true uh, you get you do get points for the the scotties and briar and yeah. for the international events that come there that's true it's been champions cup going away though yeah so yeah you know got to see that was another thing changes to the grand slam hooray for that we'll talk about that at some point too they took summer episode yeah they took 
parts of what we want. <laughs> but the idea here of not chasing points, I do wonder how if it'll lead to a different formula that privileges perhaps more the slams a little bit more mm -hmm. or something like the Penticton spiel uh, or with the August, no, the the those ladies do's. classic or whatever those oh yeah the autumn classic that one the stew cells like those those events if there's a really an even greater concentration of top teams at events in order to maximize the formula for ctrs points that'll be a potential offshoot of this sure. but that's cool whatever uh that doesn't necessarily bother me i think if i was a middle class player trying to move up that would bother me sure. but Again, we've seen this concentration at the top level across Canada already. Mm -hmm. Just look at the number of individual players who have played in Scotty's and Briar's final over the past few years. It's not a lot of not people. No. So the concentration's already happening. This is an acknowledgement of that. Well, to me, keeping the things about playdowns and the national championships that I very much enjoy. Yeah, and what I was one th what I was going to say, I remembered, is that this gives the chance for players who live in a province like Newfoundland, the chance to compete for a provincial title yeah. realistically. And so what that does, we've, we've seen it in Newfoundland when Brad Gushu is wearing the Maple Leaf that the amount of register, registered teams for the playdowns goes way up. Yeah. So maybe... Maybe this, we see this in Alberta too now. Maybe Manitoba. Thing. Yeah, that yeah. Uh, without the, the sort of alpha dog there. I, I think about BC... Uh, when I was living out there and it was Jim Cotter winning every time, sure, there was teams that would go that were very, very good, but they just didn't, they, they just were like that much worse than, right. Right? Yeah. than Jim Cotter and his team at that, at that time. So it, it gives like a, a real chance to reinvigorate the grassroots. Yeah. Hopefully that, for that middle class, like yeah. the, someone like Daniel Smith, maybe right. Rachel Holman. Potentially, you would think, expect to probably get one of those spots at some point. I haven't looked at the points right now, but you'd expect that she'd be in the top three a lot of years. Mm -hmm. So Ontario becomes a lot more interesting on the women's side. Yes, Danielle Inglis. Right? Danielle Inglis, excuse me. So Danielle Smith, uh, we were watching the news before this, and there, Danielle uh, Smith was doing the press conference in Calgary for mm. the new arena. <laughs> so yeah, Danielle Inglis, excuse me. Uh, she, uh, she, she becomes somebody who maybe has a better chance or the Holly Duncan's like that, those types of teams go into provincial championships and it's not, everyone has to beat Rachel. So that's the, uh, the sigh of SpongeBob, Scott, the sigh uh, of SpongeBob says that our uh, time is nearly, our time up, is so. nearly up. So it, yeah, I think just some of the provincial championships maybe become a little more interesting. I, I'm encouraged by this. I would, say that some of the headlines are not fully accurate i don't think these are huge changes i don't think these not are huge. mega changes anything like that i think they're improvements around the edges that maintain as i said earlier the core of what i like yeah yeah um real quick i don't know if you said it maybe you did when i was looking something up but uh best two out of three for the olympic birth yeah we did not talk about that so the playoff format for scotties and briar is also changing no more Friday Fun Fest. Well, still a Friday, Fun, Friday Fest, Fun Fest, but it's first. Yeah. So Friday afternoon is the Fun Fest. One versus two in the two pools will play each other. Winner to the one-two game. Losers will play the third place teams that night. That becomes elimination games for a spot in the 3-4 game. I like that change. I'm good with that. Makes more sense, yeah. In the Olympics or the trials, 
round robin top three teams are in second and third play a semifinal game and then a best two out of three in the final another note too at least for the scotties and the briar no tiebreakers no tiebreakers so clearly vic was in the room when they were having these discussions <laughs> so no tiebreakers that aligns of course with what the wcf is doing yeah and then for the olympic trial scott as you say a two out of three final i don't know if i this might be the one thing i don't really like just because it takes some of that drama away mm-hmm. that tracy flurry jennifer jones game was so bonkos yeah that if that was just the first of three maybe it doesn't or maybe Jennifer Jones probably makes the shot in the 10th end. Yeah. Uh, and maybe Tracy Fleury makes the shot in the 11th end because there's slightly less pressure. But I feel like it's just setting us up to root for a split in the first two. Yeah. To get to that yeah. three. But I, I understand it. This is where other countries are, right? The United States is this. Mm-hmm. Switzerland's the best out of seven. Mm-hmm. So I'm not necessarily surprised. I think it's a little worse for TV. So I'm mildly surprised on that perspective, but it's a longer playoff in your biggest event, therefore more revenue all around. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? I think it, it it's uh, not as good to not have a, I know the winner is going to be crowned at this time. Yeah. Right. Um, Cause that for TV is great. Yes. And in, in playoffs, we're in hockey basketball playoffs right now. Everybody loves a game seven, right? Yeah. Everybody loves it. Well, we we had a game seven and we just, you know, shifted it to maybe happen instead of having it definitely happen. Yeah. That said, they this is a move because they want the best team. And in a longer series, the best team tends to win. Two out of three is still a, a small enough uh, series that an ups- upset could happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the goal of Curling Canada is to win medals. Uh, and the goal of own the podium, which is literally called own the podium, is to win medals. Uh, this is a step in that direction. For sure. Maybe we get to a seven game series. If so, God help me. <laughs> I don't think I could do that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that's what it's all about. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't love it, but I understand it. Yeah, I'll be curious to see the logistics of it, too, in terms of TV schedule. Do you do semifinals like Friday nights or one Friday night? And like, is, it, I'm just curious how the logistics of that are going to work, because yeah. obviously you're going to need like the Sunday evening slot for a potential game three. If there's two game threes, are they going on simultaneously? Like the TV end of it is, is interesting. So, yeah, not really thrilled with it. But overall, pretty pleased with the changes here. Mm-hmm. And that will be our rapid fire on the changes. So let us know what you think of these, what I will call minor changes on the fringes of the Olympic and the national championship qualification process. You can reach out game of stones podcast at gmail.com, all the social medias at game of stones pod for Instagram and Twitter game of stones podcast on Facebook, head on over to game of stones pod.com past episodes are all there. Plus a link to the merch Warm a hat. A Game of Stones dad hat. Not a hat, or not a dad, but I wore the dad hat. Nice. I like it. Uh, fits good, eh? Yeah, it's comfy. Yeah, and it uh, looks good out there on the ice if you're a hat curler. Yeah, which, if you're bald like we are, gets a little chilly without a hat. Sure does. Sure so, does. Gotta wear it. So, uh, yeah, so check all that stuff out. We will be back next week with another new episode, and I promise we will be back next week. <laughs> With that, we'll have results on our event, Scott. Uh, no spoilers, but we've done okay-ish. Okay-ish, yeah. Uh, we're going to do a little lineup shake-up. Lineup yep. shake-up. But yep. uh, yeah, well, all good. Yeah, so uh, we'll be back with all that. Hope everybody is doing well. 
out there. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final...